once again and welcome back to the Winning Edge podcast. My name is Mark Haywood and today we're, we're talking to another very special guest, uh, Luke Murrell, which is a name that will be familiar to a lot of people who are into racing, probably through his, his exploits as a founder and director of Australian Bloodstock, where he's had a heap of success buying, racing and, and syndicating racehorses. They've won a st- stack of Group 1 races over recent years with some very, very good horses and that includes probably their crowning moment when they won the Melbourne Cup in 2014 with Protectionist. And in doing what he's done through his bloodstock business, uh, Luke's somebody who, who specialises in finding and buying the, the best tried horses, both locally and from all around the world. And it's made Luke one of Australia's foremost form analysts and a, a very successful long-term profitable punter in his own right. And it's pretty exciting that Luke is now going to be joining the Winning Edge Investment Stable as an analyst. So members will be able to receive the exact same bets that a punter like Luke researches and places himself. And as well as his own expertise in horse racing, over the years Luke's rounded out his own betting portfolio and now has a small number of experts that he works with who cover greyhound racing and also sports betting now as well. So through Winning Edge, Luke will actually be offering all three services. So his racing package, a greyhound racing package and also a sports betting package. So as I said, members will be able to follow exactly the the bets of a very very successful long-term punter like luke so we've got him on the podcast today to give us a run through just on his background in racing and the punt and how he got to the point where he's at today so let's get into it so my guest today is the latest analyst to join the winning edge investments team luke murrell thanks for joining us luke yeah, thanks very much for having us. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, as I said, you're uh, you're coming on board now with the Winning Edge Investments um, team, and you're actually going to be providing a few different packages to members, um, which we'll get into a little bit later. But I, I just wanted to have a bit of a chat. Um, you're someone who's heavily involved in racing and w- will be quite well known to a lot of people. But um, I guess we'll just yeah start from the start, maybe rewind back to how you first got into racing and. Um, yeah, eventually into the the punting side of things, and yeah, how did it all, I guess, sort of start for you? Yeah, look, I was, you know, I was like most young blokes, um, just loved to loved to drink in a bed, and I spent most of year eleven and twelve in the tab, as opposed to in class, and yeah. from there it was sort of like a lot of guys, you know, and I still get people ring today. Racing gets in your blood, and it's such a passion, you sort of um, you want to try and do anything that you can in and around that and look well, I, I first got involved I um actually bought into a horse and actually got ripped off so yep. that was the, the the catalyst for my, my later ventures uh, ventures but the uh, in the meantime I went and spent um three or four years with Rob Waterhouse down in Melbourne and, yep. and he was just an amazing fellow and um exceptionally smart and intelligent and, and I picked up a lot of little tips and tricks from Rob and Yep, I, I was going to be a bookmaker, but um, uh, some good advice from Rob. He sort of mentioned the the game was struggling a bit, and obviously Betfair was around at that stage, so we sort of went that angle. And um, from there, I went and struck the bloodstock business, and we yep. off we went. Situation. Yeah, so Australian bloodstock is the business. Um, which of how long's that been going for now? Yeah, it's probably. 12, 15 years, something like that. I'm, I'm horrible with dates. It's one thing I'm no good at. But, but we've been around a while, I suppose. Um, and, yeah, pr- you know, pretty proud. We're probably the, the biggest 
the most successful company that's in Australia and um, just a real, you know, it's, it's not a job, it's a, it's a passion, I suppose, and just always out there looking for sort of those fast horses and we've sort of mainly specialised in, in buying tried horses and whatnot and having, um, this, you know, there's, there's lots of traps and whatnot, but you just got to have a sound basis for for that form and of course we literally look at look daily i've sort of i've had my own sort of punting business if you want to call it for for 22 years now and um Mm -hmm. yeah pretty started out as an ego thing you know it was so to see if i can make a profit and you know publicly put it up there and from there on I, i sort of for 22 years we've we've always won um been some big ups and downs but you know as everyone knows that's punting and um, yeah, sort of both business sort of developed that way, and yeah, um, yeah, got approached. Obviously, you guys have got a pretty good stable, um, a bit daunting actually. You've got a pretty good stable of <laughs> analysts there, and when I was approached, I thought, oh, we'll give it a go, and you know, I, I sort of it, it really does fit with me. I've been asked once or twice before for different organisations and and declined, but you guys have been terrific, and it's sort of I don't have to to change the way I do things, and I just it falls in in line with with what I do, and yeah, hopefully it'll be um, profitable for everyone. Yeah, good stuff. And just on that, um, just wanted to talk a bit about the the bloodstock side because you've been very successful. So, um, it's bloodstock management and syndication that you guys do. Yeah, um, we, we 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 manage a number of horses on behalf of clients, but we've probably got 150, 160 horses ourselves that we basically every horse we offer for for sale or shares in. Mm-hmm. We put our money where our mouth is, and look, that creates a bit of pressure. But at the end of the day, most people just want to race fast horses and, and horses that can pay for themselves. They don't all have to be champions, but you usually find if, you, if you've got a horse that can pay for itself, everyone's having a bit of fun, and yeah. um, they're the ones everyone has some, has some fun with. But yeah. Um, yeah, so you know, just a I, I probably spend sixty, seventy hours a week on just doing form and updating databases. I'm, I'm pretty big on the. the the data and form point of view, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, the the punting business comes with that. But look, it's sort of you know, it's, it's just always that hunt that there's trying to find the um, the diamond in the rough horse that you know maybe we could think we can improve, give it to another trainer, or move it yeah. to a different district, and that type of thing. So yeah, yeah. that's how that come about. And it's exclusively tried yeah. horses that you're dealing. Um, they're probably seventy five percent of our business with um. We've had a lot of luck with some yearlings and some really big results, sort of. But we're a little bit different to people. We sort of we don't like just to go down with the ship. A lot of guys with the, the yearling syndications, they, they buy a horse and they want to hang on to it for four or five years, even if it's not cut, covering its own way. And yep. I just find the majority of people don't like that. So we've sold a lot of horses to Asia and Hong Kong for, for significant money and um, mm-hmm. always looking for those really good horses, but... Um, yeah, we, we have had a lot of luck in that, that side of things, but it's not. It's just an expensive lottery ticket, to be honest, buying a yield. And yeah. um, it's the only product in the world that you buy that you don't know really what you're getting. So you've mm. sort of got to have it in proportion and um, not be too heavy invested, that side of things. I'd rather put put more money into a tried horse and you know what you're going to get. And with some, you know, knowing what you're doing as far as placing and, and having good trainers, um, Geez, you can make some good money out of tried horses, you know. They're yeah. terrific fun, and there's so much money around at the moment, and it's never been a yep. better time, really. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, um, yeah, 
specialising somewhat in, in tried horses and that means a lot of form work and obviously that uh, that fits in well with the punting side of things. Yeah, um, look, we've I think we've had, might be out here, I think we've had 23 Group 1 winners and a um, large portion of them have just been purely tried horses. and um, yep. So that's a good thrill to buy horses that people think, you know, they've reached the end of their mark or well, you see something that other people don't and, and get a result, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, well, uh, as you said, you've had a, a fair bit of success, so we uh, we should reel off a few names of horses that people will uh, will definitely know about, so the highlights you've had over the years. Um, look, the, the, I suppose the the most recent ones of um, Little Brave Smash, he's, he's been a little beauty we've got from Japan. Um, yep. Probably most people remember Tosin Stardom. Um, yep. he, had a, he was just a very unlucky horse. Uh, Protectionist is probably the one most even non-racing people will have heard of. Um, mm. Won the Melbourne Cup for us in 14. Um, we bought a master design for, I think, about 100 grand at the time off the Sheik who paid $2.5 million for him as a yearling. And uh, He got beat at Clinton or one of those joints out wide and we, we paid 100 and he, he went on and won a Group 3, then a Group 1, and we got him away to stud. So yep. um, they're the ones that stick in my mind. We sort of... Um, not to downplay some of the others, but they they were some of the the good thrills, you know. Um, yep. Even horses like on the weekend that won, you know, like Star Reflection. I think we paid five thousand for her. Um, and just reading Twitter, there was a lot more than five thousand torn up in multis when she went down on the weekend <laughs> season. So that was yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. You know, it was like our century. You know, I think it was one hundred and fifty grand, and each one about two fifty for us now. So. They're, they're all good fun, those type of things, and I think, you know, I often get asked, if you've never had a horse, just come and buy a tried horse. The, the yearlings, mm. they're, they're tough work sometimes, and you've sort of got 18 months from time you buy them to generally when they race, and um, yeah, yeah most, most, most punters love it, will know the horses, but yeah, the, um, there's some very... Some horses you just absolutely love because they, they give you like that little star reflection. She's never run a bad race in her life. She always tries. And yep. I've got other horses there. They've got group one ability, but you know they, they mm. sometimes dog it and turn it up. And they're the mm. tricky ones. And, and even as punters, you know, you want to you want to back the horses that try all the time rather than the, the hot yeah. and cold horses. You know. Yeah. So no, yeah. Uh, yeah, we can't uh, can't let you go without asking about the. Uh the Melbourne Cup, it's the dream of most people. You've actually won one. Um, were you the were you the sort of person who it's, you know, been the big event for you since you were a kid and your first interest in racing was watching the Cup? So was it a oh, very long-term thing? Yeah, absolutely. I sort of, I've got to say the most frustrating part since was I reckon I've had two horses that would have won even just as impressively and mm. one hurt his leg the day before and then one got sick before and it's just, I don't know. That's the real, real passion there. It's um, yep. You could get Alzheimer's and you would still remember the Melbourne Cup if you wanted. It's it's that type of experience and feeling and mm. um, just to you know, look, it's it's great being there as part as an owner. But post race, mm. just to see people, you know, I remember guys I used to play cricket with that I can't yep. even remember their name. And they they want to come up and talk to you for the next two hours about their right. Melbourne Cup experience and just yep. little things like that, you know and. Yeah, that um, it, it's it's just that such an iconic race. Like regardless, whatever happens, everyone knows the Melbourne Cup, you know. And, 
Mm. Um, yeah, that's the aim. I want to get I want to get a dozen of them. So I'm, <laughs> I've got to get my finger out. But um, yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, and on that day in uh, 2014 with Protectionist, did you did you go in with high hopes on the day? Yeah, um, I can have horses at a dollar ten at Taree and find ten reasons why they'll get beat. And with yep. that Melbourne Cup, I I got interviewed for the local paper, and I'm not I'm certainly not one to to talk them up or spruik them. I just mm. said he was an absolute moral, and I've just never been so confident in any race in my whole life. So yep. it was a surreal experience because. Obviously, it was, it was, he got out the back. We had plan A and plan B, and we're at where we wanted to be. But, um, you know, he at the front at the 250 and was just pulling away. So it was, it was fantastic. You got to enjoy it a little bit, you know, even though it's only a couple of seconds. But just to be how dominant he was and to run such amazing time, it's, um, yep. yeah, like I said, I'll never forget it and mm. give, give the trophy a little rub every day. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things, you know. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. All right. Mm. So I'll have a bit of a chat about the, uh, I guess, the putting side of things. Um, something that's probably fairly unique to what you do and um, what you bring to Winning Edge Investments is you're actually going to uh, run three separate betting services. Um, so your first one is obviously um, is obviously racing the gallops. Um, so what's your what's your focus there? Do you focus anywhere particularly geographically or types of races you, you hone in on, or is it sort of across the board? Yeah, look, as um, part of what I do for the sort of the bloodstock business, I actually help a couple of um, trainers and jockeys and the odd owner or two with with placement of horses and whatnot. And to do that, it's sort of a it's pretty full on, but you get a very um, very sound understanding of every single horse running around there. And um, yep. we do sort of focus on New South Wales. That's probably seventy five eighty percent of our bets. Yep. Um, but the, occasionally we'll, we'll have one or two in Queensland or one or two in Melbourne, um, yep. the odd one in Perth, but mainly um, mainly New South Wales. But that's sort of, when I look back at historical results, that's that's the best where we do. And um, mm-hmm. you just the other states are the ones that are a little bit, to me, that stand out, quite obvious, that, that tend yep. to me to, to do that. But, um, yep. yeah, it's a, it's a combination of... Sort of video work and also database. I'm, I'm, I am reliant on. I've probably got three varying um, databases, if you like, that yep. sort of get updated daily. And generally, my level of units that we bet will will be on how confident all three. You know, I usually find yep. all three databases have the flashing light. Yep. Um, we've got a lot higher strike rate in something like that than say one or two, but um, Yep. Yeah, I'm a bit of an old woman. We we sort of take our time. We we do have. Um, it's sort of it's not a high, high strike rate, high return type surface. It's more, I like I said, I, I when I was approached, I didn't want to change anything that I've done. And sure. Um, based based off our sort of one unit is a hundred dollars type scenario. Yep. The worst year we've we've had is. Um, about fourteen and a half thousand. That was the worst year, and the best year we've had one hundred and forty thousand. So they, they generally average around that thirty to forty a year in profit mm-hmm. for that service. Yeah. Um, so that works, and I sort of I'm loath to sort of tinker with it too much. So I just sort of stick with what yeah. what works for yeah. me, and um, yeah, it's a it's a good little edge. And like I said, I've got a lot of guys that sort of have been with me for. Oh, 
lot of guys that have been there from the start. But mm. the hardest thing will be, you know, trying to um, for any guys that new that do sign up, we just you got to keep those accounts active and alive. And yep, because um, occasionally the the bookmakers seem to be getting more and more lazy with in terms of their prices, just in yep. in relation of whether it's staff. I said a tad sacking more staff recently and mm. and that type of thing. So um, there, there is room for mistakes that they, they put in there and, yeah, that's where we seem to get a bit of an edge. And yep. um, The biggest thing I was taught as a as a bookmaker, Rob Waterhouse always said, is the eye will lie. And um, yep. when, when I'm looking to buy horses or, or pun on them, they've got to have that data there regardless of how mm. good visually they may or may not look. Yep. Um, yeah, so... But it, it, what gives you a lot of confidence too, if you've got the data to back you up, look, I remember Atlantic Jewel one day won the, um, I think she, the last group one she won and I got interviewed post, mm-hmm. like after the race in relation to something else and was on the back page of the telly, she'll never win another race and everyone wanted to call me a dickhead and everything, but she never did win another race, you know, and she, she mm. was, you know, there's some horses out there that visually just look amazing. But yep. they don't have the substance, and there's others there that have, that have got both, and that's what we're trying yep. to do, you know. We're still trying to find the good ones. Yep, and your typical week, are you um, you looking to bet most days, or are you very focused on a Saturday, or, or how does it sort of work? Yep, so so with the horses, um, we'll always be betting, well, 90% of the time we're always betting your metro meets. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the, the Warwick Farm meets scare me a little bit sometimes, so we generally stay away from there, and also yep. Hawkesbury. Yep. I find they're just two bizarre places, but places like Canterbury is an example. They um, fantastic. Um, some of these tracks like Canterbury, Gosford, Wyong, when the rail and you get certain track conditions, yep. you can discount half the field just because of the bias there. You know, so yeah. I like betting those type of places. But yep. we do a lot out um, country betting, sort of yep. Tamworth, Armidale, Scone, Tarry, Port that way. Yep. Don't do too much uh, in the wild west like Dubbo and. Coughs, I find they're a bit, a bit questionable, some of them, so we stay away from them. But, mm. um, yeah, they're, they're the main areas. Um, yep. I, I love my Newcastle, uh, Gosford, Wyong sort of areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're a Newcastle so local. In terms of days, it just depends. Yeah, like I live not far from Newcastle, but yep. it's more um, reliability of tracks. You know, I find that's a big mm. thing. You can, uh, There's nothing worse than backing the, the best horse or two or getting the best price on horses and just find they've got no chance because the track's playing a certain way on that day. Yep. It's, um, yeah, that's, for me as a punter, that's the most frustrating thing, you know, like, mm. you still made the right bets, but unfortunately, you know, if the track doesn't play your way, sometimes you know hope before they even go out, out to the gates. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so you do, you so, do, do a, a fair bit of provincial and country betting, so there is action on a lot of days of the week? There is, yeah. Um, yep. Sort of, we, we sort of, they're, they're the places I do best at, so um, I like to sort of focus there because a lot of times, like, I remember city racing, 75, 80% of the field have generally got some type of hope. We're in the country. You can have races where they're legitimately two horse races. Yep. Um, and if you can find those races and, and get the right odds, well, there's a massive edge and, you know, the, the profit does that up. Um, yep. I, for me personally, yeah, sort of probably my weaker area is the metro races, but... Um, we still make a profit there, but I find um, the country stuff is is fantastic. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, mm. So I guess uh, yeah, the uh, 
the the second service we'll talk about, you're uh, going to be providing greyhound selections as well. Um, did you want to yeah tell yeah. us about that and how that came about? Yeah, look, he's um the the chap that that does the the greyhounds is a. Uh, He's almost a recluse. He's um, mm. he's very old school. It's all I, but um, he's such a such a fantastic judge in terms of his um, how he reads a race. It's it's almost like you've got yesterday, um, yesterday's results type thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, he has his ups and down days as well. But as probably most of the other guys will acknowledge, if you can read the race right, it's a big help in sort of. Framing a market and knowing what's value and what's not, and yep. with the greyhound chap, um, I know the ATO initially he was he was a special test case oh, thirty years ago on letting uh, whether he's allowed to um, claim them as a claim his wins and his losses because they wanted to tax him on his winning. He was winning that much, and um, yep. they ended up in the end deemed it was too big a, a liability to let everybody claim their losses, so they decided yep. not to. But, He's a phenomenal judge. Like he was um, doing some uh, framing the markets for some of the, the biggest bookies at the time, and he's just an older guy. Never worked a day in his life, um, and brought yep. up three or four young kids. You know, he's sort of a really good judge. But with the dogs, you know, um, this if you're lucky enough to have a, a bet three six five or some of these corporate accounts that just make plenty of mistakes, and I'll probably pinpoint three six five the most because. Mm. My goodness, they just get sometimes get the prices out of the air. He, um, you, you'll probably get your account closed fairly quickly with them, but yeah. man, it's very profitable and plenty of fun until they they twig. And yeah. um, he's just such a good judge. I, I sort of so look. I, I've used his services publicly for my guys for probably six years. Um, and yeah, for the same sort of hundred dollar, he's he's a lot more selective. He's very he'll bet sort of Wednesday, Thursday, the occasional Friday. But yep. Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday—that's generally the three days only. But yep, um, I, I find you know everything that I put out to bet, I'm backing myself um, mm-hmm. in multiples of the units. I'm suggesting I I do the dogs as well, and um, yep. I just find it provides really good balance because horses, you're always going to have strip outs and days where you just want to curl up in the corner. But um, I find the dog man. He's just so consistent. It does help even out the returns and the balances. And mm. for me, making my sort of income from it, I find the um, for the last sort of six years it's helped so much better. Because um, yeah, I just find the with the dogs, um, one of their attractions I find a lot of people say, and look, guys have been with me for a while, love them, um, is because with the horses generally, if you're betting on the horses, you have some idea yourself, you've heard of that horse, or you've seen that horse run last start, and oftentimes, and I think it's why sports betting, a lot of people um, end up losing, they let mm. their opinion weigh them too much, where with the yeah. dogs, they're that often, if you miss a couple of runs, there's very few people that actually follow them religiously, and yeah. for that reason, I find guys that get the dogs, and I'm the, I'm the same, you basically mm. put them on, sit back and watch them, you've got no idea... Um, even if you have a win or a losing night, you generally don't play up your winnings. You don't try and punch out of a hole, yeah, um, because you don't know the form. Yeah, you know, if you think about most guys, even if you're having a bet on the footy on a Friday night and that bet loses, that might have been your only bet for the week. 
But then people's natural inclination is, well, shit, we'll, we'll go out and have another bet on Saturday's game or Sunday's game type situation. Yeah, yeah. Because people think they've got an opinion. And yeah. sometimes that can be very dangerous just because, mm. you know, they might be ill-informed or not enough research gone into it. So um, yeah. I find that dogs are just critical for my own. I, I, they've, they've balanced mine out so much it's not funny. And, and um, there's just less bank swings and emotionally. It's, yep. Look, if, if anyone that puts enough time into betting could do what most guys do within reason, you know. The, mm. the hardest thing is the emotional side of betting. And yep. uh, to be disciplined, to know what you're doing works. And I'm lucky, you know, and so probably all the other guys have been doing it for so long. They've got enough backguarded now to, you know, you're disappointed when you have a losing day or a losing month even, but really it doesn't affect you as, like it used to in the early days yep. um, because there's that self-belief and confidence. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I think, you know, these type of service, like, there's very few guys on the market that actually put out results, and those that do put out the results often aren't as accurate as they should be, or they're made make-believe. Yep. Um, and that's part of the reason I've, I've come over here, because, you know, previously, um, I, I found, you know, there's, there's all these, last couple of years with social media, there's all these um, supposed experts or new systems, but... Mm. Rob Waterhouse used to always say, you know, give me a bloke with a system and I'll, I'll bet him for as much as he wants, you know, because yeah. if, you, if you've got a system where you back a horse third up and it's 18 days between runs or something silly like these system mm. makers create, they just lose, you know. So it's yeah. got to be a combination of a few things. And, um, yep. yeah, I just find the dogs, it just gives it that, that nice balance. Um, but he's had some amazing nights and generally his losing runs aren't, aren't too bad either. Yeah, he'll, yep. he'll have them, but uh, it's, it's a lot more selective. Um, mm. Where my horse approach, there's a fair bit of action at times, so there's, there's a number yeah. of bets where yeah. the, the dogs are, are limited. So, yeah, yeah that, that's just my personal take on it, and a lot of people give me that feedback. So yeah. we sort of have that as a good balance. Um, and, yeah, look, finally, the, the A-League, it's, it's a real quirky little market. Um, again, yeah. I find not... A, a lot of people love to sit down and watch a game of soccer, especially, you know, nil all draw or one all draw. Yep. But the A-League's really quirky. And um, with the A-League stuff, it's it's not... A, well, yeah, they're still trying to back teams to win or lose or, or whatnot. But mm. a lot of it focuses on cards and also corners, yep. which yep. you probably, if you're not familiar with it, like it's sort of... You wouldn't even think that you could bet on that type of thing. But mm. there's some really powerful data that this guy uses to, to back up his bets and he just yeah. wins every year you know it's mm. and sports betting it's um you know it's, it's why a lot of the bookmakers are heading that way because it's um it's better for them and the reason that is is more people lose so yeah. sports betting is a, is a tricky market but this a-league guy he's just um he just hits them straight all the time you know like um yeah not massive wins but you're winning and you know, just chipping away, and that's what I like to sort of do with the three services. You're, you're generally seeing over a little period there, you're edging up in profit, you know, and yep. if you're having a bad run, you're generally treading water, you're not having big chunks take, come out of your bank. Yep. So, yeah, that's, that's how yeah. it sort of works. So, yeah, that is the, I guess, the third of the, the trifecta of services is the uh, the A-League or the sports service. Um, is it purely soccer that, that that focuses on, purely A-League matches? 
Um, he, he's quite good with the cricket, but the, the cricket's a little bit um, hit and miss. He, he generally focuses more on tests. Um, yep. You know, little quirky things. I was talking to him the other day. Uh, I think something like there's been 42 test matches this year and the team batting first, oh, sorry, not batting first, they've won the toss, there's won 30 of them and there's been five draws or something. So mm. little stuff like that. If you've got that information, you can actually start to form a, a betting strategy around it. That, yep. that wasn't, you know, he was just mentioning it as a stat, but to yeah. me, my mind immediately went to thinking, well, shit, you could make some good money out of that type mm. of information, you know. If it, yeah. And I suppose these days with, you know, dropping wickets, they're, they're less lively, although the Perth one was, uh, was a good wicket there, just gone. Yeah. But, you know, um, Adelaide can be a road. Melbourne, obviously, we've seen for a while now, it's sort of a, a bit of a dour, dour match and ball doesn't mm. do a lot. So, um yeah, just different things like that. But it's it's generally the in the summer it's um the A League is a is a big focus. Like he had an amazing World Cup where it wasn't just A League obviously, but it was a World Cup and Yep. Um same principles there worked and um he had a really, really hot run, but each World Cup he seems to it seems to be a real um these are markets the bookmakers are putting up, but they're not really because it's not their main focus or main course of action. The, the information sometimes not there. But to give you an idea, a couple of weeks ago we had two Japanese refs come over. Um, it must have been like an exchange program where we sent two over to, to, to mm-hmm. ref in their league and they sent two over here. Yep. And one of his two big focuses is on cards. Um, mm. And the first uh, ref um, in 43 games or something this year, he'd had three games where he'd been over... Uh, four yellow cards. Yeah. Yet the the market was betting two dollars that they would they would be under the, mm. the four yellow cards. Yep. And he had maximum bet there, but and it was the same with the second ref. And like they're really good betting opportunities that you can yep. get into your nosebleeds type situation because you know um, you've got a massive massive edge. Just because yeah. the net doesn't mean you don't win, but if you do that long enough, you, you do win. So then that, yeah, I think cool. that's the key. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like, um, I guess, in addition to your own um, betting on racing, you've almost assembled a, a pretty uh, pretty good team of guys who who bet in their own area and really know what they're doing and have helped you to, I guess, balance out your, your own betting portfolio. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And I suppose um, because, you know, it's a bit of an ego thing for me, you know, 22 years in a row that we've won, and I, I, mm. I, I come to rely on that money that I win myself. Um, punting-wise, to do different things with personally. Um, so I was very, very loath to to have somebody else on, but um, mm. I knew the dog guy from a number of years, and I just knew his reputation, and we had a yep. 12-month trial, and he shot the lights out, and the same with the A-League guy, you know. So yep. you sort of you just want people to win, you know. It, it can be done. Every There's a lot of negative press out there that, oh, you're a gambler, and you must be a degenerate, but you mm. can make some good money out there. and um, yeah. You know, just whether it's just a second income or I've got a number of guys that have left jobs and to do it mm. professionally, like sort of just follow the advice. But I just think it's such a great second income for people. You can supplement yeah. to have a few extras in life and do a few things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I guess the, the thing with a lot of our analysts too, which is um, a lot of our members really like, is they're all punters themselves. And um, if you follow their service, you're effectively uh, shadowing their they're uh, they're betting themselves, you know. It's not the sort of thing where 
Um, you know, they might be giving out tips, but they, you know, they're not actually punters themselves or they're not putting their money where their mouth is. So in this case with the free services, that's basically a, um, almost a direct reflection of the punting that you do yourself. Oh, it's got to be, you know, like it's sort of, I, um, you know, you have a bad day. I, I, to me, I don't care too much about it, but I do know there's a mm. lot of people that are following it religiously. I, I mm. feel more for those guys, you know, um, yeah. the guys that have been around for, you know, two years, ten years, even a couple of guys that have been there for 20, they're, they're sweet because I know they now know, don't worry about it, you know. Yep. Even if it's a bad month, don't worry about it, it'll happen. But it's yep. more the new guys. So mm. it's just trying to educate people and get them to that mindset, hey, this is a... I tell people it's a corner shop mentality. So yep. you're going to open up some days and you're going to lose money because you've got to pay staff and costs and, and no one will walk in the door or you'll lose money, someone will shoplift. Mm. But other days, if you've got a couple of services there, Yep, you can have some really fat days and um, yeah, be really enjoyable. But just sort of got to manage it like a, like a, like a little business, you know. Yeah, good. Oh, well, yeah. So, yeah, great to have you on board with the team. We'll uh, we'll get all the information up on the website for for people to have a look at and get some members on board. And um, yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks for your time. Yeah, no, really, really looking forward to it. It'll be um, a good challenge. Sort of, there's some very smart guys that he's already got on board and. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it works, but um, yeah, just got to see him straight and hit a few other parts. We'll be right. Good stuff. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Mike. So that's today's chat. Uh, big thanks for Luke for his time. As you can probably tell with his different ventures, he's a pretty busy bloke. So thanks for uh, his time in taking part in today's chat. And also, of course, a, a big thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. Uh, you've heard a fair bit now about Luke's background, his punning and how he goes about it. And as we've said, now members will be able to subscribe and follow Luke's betting across three different packages. So horse racing, greyhound racing and sport. All the info for that will be out soon, if it's not already, and the place to head to check that out is, of course, winningedgeinvestments.com. So make sure you go and check that out. Uh, that's all for today, and also that'll be it for the podcast of 2018. Uh, we will, of course, be back next year with more interviews. But in the meantime, we're wishing all our members and listeners and their families a very Merry Christmas and a happy and prosperous 2019. We can't wait to get into it from a punning point of view, and we'll catch you all then. My name's Mark Haywood. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.